0: baptism does to our conscience. It gives us an understanding. I'm going into this watery grave. If you're in there long enough, you're going to realize what a grave is like. But the truth is, is it is a picture that I'm dying. I'm going under. But then I'm raising forth in newness, in victory. As the blood washes away our sins, the water of baptism tells the world that what happened on the inside is now going to be lived on the outside.
1: az.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you
0: have your Bibles, open them to the book of Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be in a lot of different scripture because all I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to help us understand what baptism is all about, okay, and why we do this. John, in your notes, who was called Baptist, first instituted water baptism. Now, let me share with you folks, water baptism originated in the book of Exodus. Okay? Symbolically, the very first baptism happened before that. How many remember a place called the flood? Noah? The Bible said they were saved as by water. Okay? Okay? In the Exodus, how many know they passed through the Red Sea? Baptism goes farther back. And I'm going to help you understand why it is important, if you are a Christian, to be baptized today. The Word of God makes it a commandment. Are you okay? But I'm going to share why it is a commandment, because it's for your benefit. It's for my benefit. Now, John the Baptist, uh, you know even though some people think it, Baptist was not his last name. That was the office he filled. Just like Christ is not Jesus' last name. Okay? Christ is the office he filled. Okay? And so in this, the Bible talks about John was the voice of one preparing the way for the Lord. Now look at me quickly. Look at me. He was the one preparing the way for the Lord and his office was baptism. If you put preparing the way of the Lord and baptism together, you think baptism has a little bit of importance. That's what his ministry was not standing on a mountaintop and just shouting, Jesus is coming. No, it was to baptize unto repentance. Are you with me? Okay. He was the forerunner of Christ. He preached repentance and baptism, which was directed by God. And listen to this. In Matthew chapter 3 verse 15 we find that baptism was instituted to fulfill all righteousness. And I'm going to help you understand that phrase here in just a moment. Exodus chapter 29, this not in your notes, so you, if you have your Bible you can open it there and just read through chapter 29 and then over to Leviticus chapter 8. This is the establishing of the 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 law establishing of the principles establishing of what God has set down in order, as it tells us very clearly in the book of Matthew, a lot of us say, well we 're not under the law you're right. the law has been fulfilled, but it is still applicable today. Are you with me? Jesus said, "I did not come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. The law is ever much." as righteous as it ever has been. But the the issue is Jesus fulfilled it, and now you and I become righteous through him. But there are certain things that God wants us to do, and baptism is one of them. In Exodus 29, excuse me, Leviticus chapter 8, we're instituting the high priest and the regular priest. The Bible says that Moses brought Aaron and his sons to the to the, the, uh, the door of the tent. And that is where the baptismal was sitting. And the Bible says that they washed them with water. Now, when you go and study that word out, it is the exact same word that we get baptism from. So they were baptized or they were immersed in water. A lot of people sit back and say, Pastor, sprinkle, dip, immerse. What is the right way? I'm going to tell you the Bible way. There's one place in the Bible talks about sprinkling. Everything else from Genesis to Revelation talks about immersion. To be immersed in means you have to be covered over. Are you with me? Okay, don't get quiet on me. This is not going to be a hard teaching. It's going to be real simple. So he brought Aaron and his sons, and he baptized them, immersed them in water. Then he poured anointing oil on Aaron's head. The baptism and the oil come together, initiating Aaron's ministry as the high priest, which enabled him to do the work of the ministry. Look at me. You and I. The oil, the anointing oil, is represented by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is referred to in Scripture, it's the same as the anointing oil. When Jesus was baptized... The Bible says he came straight up out of the water. How many know? To come up out of, you must first go down in too. Okay? And then what was the next thing that happened? The Holy Spirit, in bodily form as a dove, came down and lighted upon him, fulfilling all righteousness. Back at the very beginning, God established the washing and the anointing. Are you with me? I got two amens out of that. Are you with me? Okay, good, good. I'm getting some of the folks from the back shouting forward. Jesus, when he came to John, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. When he came to John, John said, I have need to be baptized by you. Understand, John, his office was Baptist. But well, there's never a place in Scripture that shows John was baptized. So we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about obedience. We're talking about fulfilling the righteousness that God established from the beginning. Jesus needed to be baptized not because he was filled with sin, not because he had the saving of his conscience. Why? Because God established it. Listen to this. Jesus had to also be anointed Though he had the Holy Spirit without limit, the Holy Spirit still had to show up on the scene. Why? That he could fulfill the ministry of high priest. How many of you understand what I'm saying so far? When we go in to Revelation, well, I'm not going to give you, there's so many scriptures. The Bible calls you and I as Christians, priests and kings who are fulfilling the ministry God has set before us. So we need the Holy Spirit, which you get at salvation. I'm not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. was a complete different thing. Next year, on, a, on Sunday morning, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to freak some people out. I'm going to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I'm going to teach you what the Word of God says about it, and it's going to blow your mind. It hasn't been done away with, folks. Oh, I can feel a shudder go through the building. We are kings and priests. A royal priesthood, the Bible says. A holy nation to fulfill all righteousness. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward experience. It declares to the world that I have died to Christ, and it declares to yourself that I've been raised in newness of life. Let's get into this. Matthew 28. Jesus spoke, came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What was the one and only thing that Jesus left with the disciples? Go make disciples. Go reproduce yourself. And then he said, baptize them. He said, get them saved and get them baptized. There is a precedence of the Lord baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. Say that with me. All things that I have commanded. You notice it doesn't say the things that you like or the things that I like. It doesn't say the things that make you feel good, the things that make me feel. No, it says observe all things that I have commanded you, and I'm with you always. So what is baptism? Quickly in your notes. On the screen, it's an outward sign of an inward experience. You are literally showing the world, I'm going into a watery grave. I'm dying to this nature of mine, and I'm being renewed in Christ. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Let me expound upon that. To make something takes effort. A lot of people think, well, if my name's on the roll of a church, I'm okay. The Bible says, unless your name's on the roll in heaven, you're not okay. And just because it's on the roll of a church doesn't make it okay. Are, are you with me? Okay. Make disciples. A disciple is an adherent follower. It is somebody, if they look at you, listen to me, they don't have to hear a word you're saying. They can look at you and your life and know you're a Christian. That's what a disciple. You're being made into something that you weren't to become something that God has created you to be. Can somebody say amen? At repentance, they were baptized into Christ spiritually, dying to their old nature, and they were born again. Second Corinthians five says, "If old things are passed away, and all things have become new." When we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, we're brought in to a brand new relationship. We are brought into Christ. Literally, it means that we're brought into a covenant, a commitment, a union. With Many years ago, I made a covenant with this woman that sits on the front row, my beautiful wife. I made a covenant. There'll be no women before her. There'll be no women after her. She is my covenant relationship. When I read my Bible, I have the exact same relationship with her as I have with my Lord. You wives miss a great place to say amen. We're supposed to have the same covenant. She trusts me, I trust her unequivocally. And that's the relationship that covenant represents. You say, Pastor, why do you use that? Because most people don't understand covenant between us and God. I can get into all the particulars of it, but I'm not going to do that today, okay? We accept Christ, we're brought into Christ, we're brought into covenant. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27, it says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you've now put on Christ which the Bible says that we are continually growing in the things of God. You're saved, you spirit-filled, you're anointed, you are covered, and God says now you are growing in the things of God. Can you say amen? So this is what baptism is. Did I do it simple enough? Okay, so let me jump into this now. Does baptism save? No. If you Come into this tub this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You go down a dry center, you come up a wet one. But we do have towels, okay? It does not save. Let me take you to the book of Acts. I've got several pieces of scripture and it's all right here. I've got Acts two, forty-one, 41, 36, and 47 of chapter 10. And I'm just going to read through it. The, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. What's the prerequisite of baptism? They received his word. That means they accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. They were baptized. Then we go to to eight twelve. It says, "But when they believed Philip, Philip concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, then they were baptized." What was the requisite, folks? What was the prerequisite? Come on, it's not a trick question. What was it? They believed. They accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Then they were baptized. Over in 836, as they went down the road, the eunuch and Peter, or Philip, were together in the carriage. Philip was one of Sheba's uh, servants. He was one that ran many of their men's servants and women's servants. And he was a eunuch Because of his office. That was the office he held. He had been. I'm not going to get into detail, but you can figure it out. Okay? They were going down the road, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And look what Philip said. Shall we not baptize? He's received the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit when you get saved. What was the prerequisite? Salvation salvation wasn't baptism baptism was an aftermath of salvation the word of god tells us so in our text jesus said go and make disciples there's a lot of people in the church of jesus christ that want to sit back and say well bless god i like your church i just don't like everything about it so i'm going to find one that i like well the bible talks about people like you oh did i say that in the last days They will heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears, wanting to hear what they want to hear. Matter of fact, it goes on to say in that same passage, they will trade the truth for lies and doctrines of demons. You say, Pastor, that's kind of hard. I mean, come on, we're doing baptism. Folks, my job is to equip people. It's not to tickle ears. My job is to build God's people that we can deal with issues in life. Am I doing okay this morning? How many still love me? Okay, good. I'm not gonna ask how many want me to shut up and get off of here. So let's go on. He said, make disciples. There is a process, ladies and gentlemen. You're saved. When you get baptized, you, you, you continue. You, you take on an ordinance that God said to be baptized. But your salvation is because of baptism. The baptism is the obedience. You're saved, you get baptized, and you live the Christian life. The Lord set forth for all to be baptized. John the Baptist, his office was Baptist, but there's no record of him being baptized. The thief on the cross, there's no record that he was ever baptized. And the Old Testament saints... There is no picture that there was an actual baptism that took place other than the places throughout Genesis of the priests going through these different motions, okay? Baptism is not a prerequisite to salvation. Salvation is the precursor of baptism. So this morning, if you're here and you're going to be baptized, we're going to pray before the baptism. And we're going to ask you about your relationship with Christ. Because ultimately, it does no good to be baptized unless you're saved. Are we doing okay? Okay, so what is baptism? Does baptism save us? If it's not for salvation, then why do we baptize? Number one, God said to. Number two, it's part of the dedication that we have as priests and kings For the glory of God. Baptism is a declaration to all that were dead to this world and were alive to Christ. Therefore, my life is now going to emulate Christ. Are you with me? Let's go down to Matthew chapter 10. Therefore, and this goes back to the fact, folks, it does no good to get baptized if you're not saved. If you're not living a Christian life. You say, Well, Pastor, I, I make mistakes. Mistakes are fine, folks. Some of the greatest testimonies that I've seen in people's lives is when they make a mistake and they repent for it and they go in front of the people they made a mistake and said, please forgive me. It is mind-boggling what it does in people's lives. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, confession is not just a verbalizing, it is a lifestyle. Are you with me? Okay, so whoever confesses me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men. How do we deny God? By our life. The life we live. Hey, pastor, this is hard. You want to find hard, read the rest of it. You say, well, oh, pastor, living the Christian life is, you know, it's hard. No, it's not hard. It's impossible that's why we need Jesus. You can't do it without him. Going to church doesn't doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. It it doesn't happen. It's a decision of heart, of life, and this is a decision of obedience. Are, are, Are you understanding something about baptism today? People ask, what if someone loves God but dies before the opportunity to be baptized? Well, my answer is very simple. God knows their heart. If they could have, they would have, but they didn't. Then the other side of the coin, people ask, well, Pastor, what if somebody knows they should be baptized but refused to be baptized before, and they die? I answer it the same way. God knows the heart. I wouldn't understand if I go back to the example with my wife. If I tell my wife I love her, why am I not coming home to her? Why am I not living at her house? Why am I not being with her? Why do I have a void in that relationship? So let me go back to Christian. If God tells you to do something, why won't you do it? Are you with me today? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he made him... God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Everything in our life has to do with living a life for God. And we do that through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If we're made righteous, the righteousness of God, then you and I have a responsibility to fulfill all righteousness, which is that right standing with God. This is what Jesus, when he came to to John in Matthew 3, and John said, I have need to be baptized of you. What are you doing here? And Jesus said, to fulfill all righteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, look at me, please. If you're here and you're living a sin-filled life, let me just meddle for a second. If you're here and you're living together in sin, you are not right with God. Well, that means if you're living together and you're not married. God calls it sin, and if you were to die right now, you would not go to heaven. Oh, you're judging me. I'm just telling you the word of God said, no adulterer, no fornicator, no liar, no angry person, no person that just gives into fits of rage. You say, Pastor, what's that all got to do with baptism? Every piece of it. Why? It's an outward sign of an inward experience. It's a decision that my life is not going to be lived for him. So you say, Pastor, what do I have to do? Repent. Pretty simple. Say, I'm wrong. Forgive me. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Don't care. It ain't worth keeping me out of heaven. I got three amens and they all came right here. <laughs> is it worth keeping? Well, you know, I, I was right. And that matters why? Let me see who else was right. Oh, that's right. They nailed him to a tree. Am I making sense today, ladies and gentlemen? Baptism, just like communion, is not just something we do. There's really a point to it. Are we okay that I talk about this? Are we doing okay? Okay. So let me, let me bring this thing to a close so we can start dunking people. That would have been great dunking donuts today. That would have been, that would have just went right. Okay. okay. Everybody come up out of the water. We hand them a donut. <laughs> oh, Don't worry, folks. I even think I sound stupid sometimes. Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. We're clapping hands. What are you do you? <laughs> so, what is the outcome of baptism? First Peter three. It talks about the, the relationship between baptism and living for God. It says there. This also is an antitype. An antitype is just a fancy word that talks about a progressive relationship that one works in accord with the other, which now saves us, baptism not the removal of the filth of the flesh but the answer of a good conscience towards God. There's two things that transpires. Number 1 is you're obeying God. Number 2, you're telling yourself, I went into a grave and I'm raised in newness of life. What I was, I ain't. Okay? Not good English, but good preaching. Baptism makes our conscience whole concerning the resurrection. Of the spiritual man. It is hard for us to fathom what it means to be resurrected. Our conscience doesn't understand. We we look at death as final. To Christian, death is only the comma of life. Am I making sense today, ladies and gentlemen? It's the meeting place of two eternities. Baptism does to our conscience, it gives us an understanding. I'm going into this watery grave. The truth is, if you were held under there long enough, and I've asked every wife in there that has her husband baptized, how long do you want me to hold him under? If you're in there long enough, you're going to realize what a grave is like. But the truth is, is it is a picture that I'm dying. I'm going under. But then I'm raising forth in newness, in victory. Come on, get excited, church. As the blood washes away our sins, the water of baptism tells the world that what happened on the inside is now going to be lived on the outside. That the old ways are passed away. That I've stopped living the life that I used to live. And through the power of God, I'm going to now live the life that God set me forth to live. Let me wrap this up. we get a lot of people to baptize. Ephesians 3 says, now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we can ask or think. Listen, according to the power that works in me. It's God's power that works in me that enables me to live this consecrated life, this holy life, this set-apart life. Ephesians 4 says, we, though, are to put off concerning the former lifestyle. Remember, make disciples the progressiveness of it. We have to start living a different life, okay? That you put off concerning your former life. Stop living that way. The old man which grows more and more deceitful and corrupt and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man. You see the active word there, folks? You're putting off what I used to be and you're putting on what I'm supposed to be. We're talking about changing our life. You say, Pastor, I can't change my life. Exactly. That's why you need Christ. That's why you need to be born again. Spiritually, Christ died at Calvary physically also. But when that happened and you and I look unto Christ, and we accept Him as Lord and Savior, we become dead to sin according to the Word of God. Romans chapter 6, listen to what it says here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? Folks, God's grace is, is immeasurable. It's amazing grace. But He said, if you have the grace of God in your life, you can't go living in sin. How shall we who died to sin because of what Christ did live any longer in it? Do you not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We're talking about the spiritual death now. We've died to Christ and were raised in newness of life. Therefore, we go into the symbolic water baptism, therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of Father, even so we are raised in newness of life out of the watery grave we go into. If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, once again, ladies and gentlemen, look at me, we're talking about the saving of the conscience. We have a hard time with this resurrection business so we're actually formulating it and we're physically accomplishing it. Am I making sense? Okay. Say, Pastor, why are you going on? I know all of this. Yes, you might, but most of them don't. Knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we are no longer slaves to sin. For he who has died has been set free. hmm So we talked about baptism. Is it sprinkling? Is it dipping? Is it immersion? Biblically, it's immersion. My wife and I were raised in a church that sprinkled. When I was a baby, I was sprinkled. Okay? And I always say, kind of tongue in cheek, you know, folks, well, pastor, didn't that work? Yeah, I got water spots. But the Bible talks about immersion. When Jesus was baptized, how many think the way Jesus did it probably should be the way we do it? You read it in Matthew 3. He went down in, came up out. So, once again, you can't come up out unless you go down in. The eunuch went down in, came up out. Over and over and over. It talks about complete immersion. Spiritually, physically, we have to be immersed in Christ. Salvation and in baptism Consecrated, totally dedicated. Colossians chapter 2. In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. How? By putting off the body of sins in the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which we are also raised with him through faith in the working of God. Ephesians chapter 2, it says, By grace we are saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. So, through faith in the grace of God, which is God's power working in us, who raised up Christ from the dead, and back to Romans 6, we are buried with him through baptism unto death. Therefore, we're going to be raised with him in life. Can somebody say amen? Christ, leave that picture up there, please. Christ, the Bible says, is the Word. And it is God's Word that washes us on the inside and the outside through the regeneration of the new birth. Baptism symbolizes our obedience and washes us on the outside in this generation of life. This is why we baptize.
1: Master Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.